Welcome back to episode 122 of the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. For this week's podcast, we explore the world behind the scenes of the Netflix series as we chat to line producer from Marvel's Luke Cage, Gail Berenger. Join us as we welcome Gail to the podcast. Welcome to the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer, and I am currently in Brooklyn, hanging out at uh, a few of the Netflix productions. Um, and we are really excited because we're talking to one of the producers from Marvel's Luke Cage, Gail Berenger. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm very excited to talk to you. Same here. Because as a producer, my world is distinctly different than yours. Even though we may have the same title, I'm using quotations here, uh, we do so much different things. So for those at home, why don't you talk a little bit about like, what a producer does for an episodic TV show? Well, I'm what you call a line producer. So if you look at the credits of a lot of these Marvel shows, you'll see the title Produced By. And that's the line producer credit out in television. And what that means is I'm the leader on the line, so to speak, the producer on the line who deals with the day-to-day things that come up in producing the, the script. We get the script from our writers in Los Angeles, and it's my job to budget the script, find out all where all the locations are going to be, where we're going to shoot, what can be on the stage, what can be on the set, uh, on location, and then we make it happen. We put it all together and make it happen. I hire the crew, I organize the actors day-to-day, scheduling and fittings and all that great stuff. Rehearsals for stunts. It's a lot to get it's, done. It sounds to like a lot of work. <laughs> You've made it sound so, so like, oh, I just do this. But it, like the amount of pieces for, like, I would assume just one scene, um, the amount of, like, if you need extras, you know, do we need a special costume made? Yeah. I tend to focus on the prep of the episodes. So I do go to the set once we start shooting, but throughout the, each episode we prep in eight days. Um, and during that time, it's a lot of meetings, a lot of discussions conceptually about how many background are going to be in a scene. How many stunts do you want to have in this episode? Is it a big stunt episode or is it a, you know, more of a, an episode where we're learning about our characters and a lot of talking and dialogue? So you spend a lot of time in a van, looking at locations, (laughs) um, and in a conference room, just really, it's really important. The power of these episodes, I believe, comes from the prep. If they're not prepped well, then you're going to have trouble shooting because you want to answer all of the questions and make sure that you're staying true to to the way the, the writers wrote the script and what the intent of the storytelling is. So that's the important part for me and for my job, to make sure that the intent comes across on screen. And you guys are filming like eight days, like episodes. So you you have to think about the next episode or maybe a future episode. I'm always thinking about future episodes. <laughs> yes, it's, and it's great when you have a great relationship with a showrunner. Uh, on Luke Cage, Cheo Hadari Coker was amazing. It's just he was always thinking ahead. So we're always looking at our 13 episodes as one big 13-hour movie, so to speak. Where can we get this location down the road? Well, this is going to happen down the road. So be ready in terms of costumes and fighting and going back to certain locations, booking cast to come back. It's just, 
it's like a big chess game and a big chess board and you want to make sure all the pieces are where you need them to be. So when, you, when that time comes, you're ready and you can address it down the road. So the more you know in the beginning, the better it is Yeah. on the overall picture. I remember watching uh, Jessica Jones and the scene at the bar and uh-huh. they kept going back to the bar and I was like, did they film that all once? Did they like, did they just book it for a couple days? And I was talking to a couple people on set and they were like, no, we just went back there like every time we needed to go back there. And I was like, wow, that's like a lot. That's every time you have to do that, you have to get a location permit. You have to talk yeah. to the city. That stuff sounds insane. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. We had a, a piece of Luke Cage where the neighborhood in Harlem, they were terrific. And they kept saying, oh, you can come back. You can come back. Well, at the end of the season, they were overcrowded with a lot of filming. And they were like, we can't fit you in. And we were like, oh, no, where do we go? So our location team was terrific in coming up with a neighborhood that you could cheat for Harlem. And we did it. I mean, most of the places, yes, you can get back to. But it is very busy in New York with all the filming. So we made that one work. Uh, <laughs> not at the 11th hour, but we kind of <laughs> made it work at the 11th hour. <laughs> do you have a particular scene or like a particular uh, type of scene that's like your favorite to produce? I like the big crowd scenes. One of my favorite scenes in Luke Cage was when we showed the nightclub for the first time, Harlem's Paradise. The place is jam-packed with background. We have our cast situated in different parts of the club. We have a musical act on the stage. And it's just, here we are. I love to build sets, and I love watching sets come to life. And it was the first time that we did it. And just, we had a beautiful, beautiful crane shot that just showed the whole world and yeah, I love when that comes together. It's the choreography of making everything happen. It is really movie magic. You see all of your background. You have all the crew lined up where they need to be. The actors, when everyone hits their mark and it just works, you get this special feeling like, wow, we just made something happen. And it really came out great. Well, that scene so, is phenomenal. It was a great scene. It was a great location. Yeah. A great set, I should say. Well, yes. <laughs> it's a real location, right? It's a real location in my <laughs> head, yes. <laughs> It should be a real location. It should be. would make a lot of money. I think we'd have some great acts come and perform there, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We should get on that. So, you know, we sort of a little bit talked about your sort of day-to-day, but maybe you sort of can break down. Like, you walk in the door, you get a cup of coffee. You know. Sometimes. That's my rule. I always try and say, don't ask me anything until you see me take a sip of coffee, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I come in, and it's really, it's just, you get a lot of fires thrown at you, and you try and put them out. How's the shooting set doing? Did they get their day started in a good way or no problems? Okay, that's done. Now let's talk about the prepping episode. What are we going to do today? Where are we going? What do we need to look at? Is our schedule in a good place? Do I have any actor conflicts? It is Again, it's busy in New York. I share a lot of the day player actors with other shows in, in the city. So it's always who do I have to talk to on other shows to make sure we have no conflicts? How are we doing with the budget? Are we doing everything we can to tell the story, be efficient? Are we running into any problems? It's just tracking all of that. And then I try and look ahead to see what's coming up next for future episodes. Do we have anything we need to address? We have some special... When you have a special location that needs a lot of time, if you're going to do Grand Central or if you're going to kind of shut something down, that, that takes months to prepare. So there's always that part of your day where you're like, okay... What's coming out in the future? Let's address that and get it taken care of. Or it's baby steps sometimes that you have to walk through to make sure that when you do actually start prepping that episode, 
you have everything you need in place so you don't have any surprises. I don't like surprises. <laughs> it's always better to be prepared. <laughs> That's true. I would totally agree with that. I mean, obviously, I'm producing tiny little baby shows that don't have location <laughs> releases is nothing compared to, the, I'm sure, the bureaucracy of New York City. You know, they're really, really helpful, and they want to help you in any way they can. It's a great place to shoot. There, But there are, yes, there are just community issues and neighborhood issues. You always want to go into a place and make the community feel like, you know, it's a good experience for them, for us. I always say never burn a bridge. You just want to walk in and have a positive experience and, and leave. I mean, we're, we're guests in their house. We're taking their parking spaces. You know how New Yorkers are with parking. It's just like, uh-uh, get in, be kind, get out. <laughs> I remember Law & Order filmed in the club next to my apartment, uh-huh. and they had the um, fake car- cop cars outside with the lights on for six hours. Yes. And I was like, like, yeah, wow. it's like, oh, I don't have room darkening shades. I need them. <laughs> it's just like, oh, what do you do? Yeah. yeah. No, it's it can be intrusive. But, you know, and with the superhero shows, we tend to shoot a lot at night. So anything that, you know, we try and do, we, hey, come have some coffee. If we're keeping you up, I'm sorry. Or we'll just try and be as helpful as possible to get the... So you're you doing a lot of shoots at night. Do you location scout at night too, or you only do like because like the city looks so different at night. The city look, does look different at night, and what we'll do is if we find a location, the prep team usually works during the day, but if we find a location that we really like and we know we're there at night for a long time, we'll go back and take pictures of it at night, or yeah, we'll go and scout it at night just to get an idea like, oh, what do we really need? Because looking at a location, say, hey, that's going to look great on film. The logistics behind it is, what are we going to need? on our end, to light that, Mm -hmm. to make it glow even more, to make it look even more beautiful on television. And that requires a lot of lifts, a lot of lighting, a lot of trucking, all of the stuff that, you know, comes with our crew to make the scene happen. So, yeah, it's a good thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get back to the rest of our interview with Gail, we want to talk a little bit about Loot Crate. The Loot Crate is launching its second Marble Gears and Goods crate. We've been loving the stuff they've been coming up with the last few years and including the first crate. So this one is serving up some of your favorite minds from the Marvel Universe to outfit your lab, a.k.a. the kitchen, in true heroic fashion. This crate will be filled with home goods and unique apparel featuring Hulk, Iron Man, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, and the Black Panther. And all of this is over an $80 value for just $39.99. So give your kitchen the Marvel upgrade at LootCrate.com slash Marvel. And if you're a first-time purchaser of the crate, make sure you use the promo code MarvelPod to get $3 off your purchase. So swing over to LootCrate.com slash Marvel. Okay, now back to the interview. So taking a step backwards, you know, what made you want to work in film and TV? I don't know. It was sort of always in my blood. I went to Emerson College. I wanted to be a director of live sporting events and talk shows at the time. And then while I was up there, I got into working on on feature films, and I just got I got hooked. I mean, I love it. It's, it's always something I've wanted to do. I loved movies as a kid. I loved watching television shows. So I thought it would be the best place for me. And I like to talk a lot. I'm a big communicator. And it was just I liked the group of people I was working with because we just all shared information. And you have to to get this done. You can't 
you have to really be able to say, this is what I need for my piece of the puzzle to have it all come together. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good industry. It's a good place to work. It's so interesting that you knew sort of what you wanted to do in film and TV. I feel like so many people go into college and they're like, I guess I'll start to do this. And then you get into college and you're like, whoa, look at all these jobs that are available. And you sort of still kept that path, although obviously like producing live shows are distinctly different than producing episodic stuff. So Yeah, definitely. It's hard. It's hard nowadays to kind of figure out what you want to do and and to stay on that path. I mean, I was lucky. I was in a specific college that is geared towards that industry, but it it is. There's so many other... But I also... There were other subjects that I was like, oh, I could go and do this. I wanted to be a philosopher. I wanted to be working in retail. There were all (laughs) these different things that I could have done, but... I'm glad I stuck with this path. <laughs> it's definitely like as I, I originally went to school for photography and somehow got myself in this world. And now that I'm in sort of this world, I'm like, oh, why did I know this existed when I went to school? Not that I don't regret, I don't regret going to school for photography, but I think production is so fascinating. I like sort of being able to know all the things. I like to know all the things. Right. And that's the beauty of this job is, you know, there's an opportunity to know so much. I started in production accounting. I'm not an accountant by trade at all. But what I liked about that job was I was in there and I learned, I saw everything. I was able to go to the set, see what happened on the set. I was very, you know, in there in the production office, learned about how that functioned, location departments. And then you deal with all the paperwork. It's amazing how much you can learn by listening and by reading reading a call sheet, a production report, looking at paperwork and just saying, oh, so this is what this little piece, again, it's just a little piece of the puzzle that all makes the whole movie happen or the television show happen. There's a lot to learn from just sitting back and listening to the crew members talk about how they do their craft and all the things required to make a show. It's See, a lot of elements. That, that's what I'm fascinated about. I'm just like, how does it's because like, obviously, like cameras work cameras way. But I'm like, how does, you know, like, what is the location release process? And then, like, how does the set designer talk to the prop designer? And, like, I think, and that's I always talk about when I have anyone from the Netflix and and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shows on, the community element of, like, all the different pieces coming together. Yes. And, like, no one works in a bubble. You all have to. No, you all have to communicate. One of the most important meetings that we have after our scouting is done and we're about to shoot is the logistics meeting and it's just everybody in a room where are the trucks going who's going to feed people where at what time all of those little elements that are part of make you know of, of making it and where do the lifts go to light the scenes at night it's just step by step that you have to go through and address to make sure that everything runs smoothly so when everyone gets to set to get in front of the camera they can do their job and have it be uninterrupted and and so they can focus on making the scenes great and having a, a good day. Yeah, and not where their cup of coffee is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a late night burrito. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they might get those too, but... <laughs> yeah. So, so sort of changing gears a little bit, were you a comics fan? Did you grow up on Marvel? Well, I grew up watching a lot of the superhero gals. I mean, I'm a big Wonder Woman fan, but... That's about my comic extent. And the Hulk. I love the Hulk. That was an, But I watched them all on TV. Yeah. So I didn't really read the comic book so much. When I came here, I was schooled in depth by my husband, who told me in explicit detail the backstory of 
Marvel and Daredevil. So I felt like I knew what I was talking about, sort of, when I walked in the door to come do Luke Cage. And um, since then, I've been geeking out a little bit, yes. Checking out all my comic books and watching the Avengers and all of those Captain America and Thor with my kids, too. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that that's the one thing is that, you know, nowadays it's so much easier to access all this content than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago because... You know, you have digital comics, you have obviously the movies that helps, um, animated TV shows, all these different things. So it's it's easier to get all of your children, not yes. just boys, but boys and girls. Oh, I have a boy and a girl, yes. That like, that like and they can like both yeah. boy superhero things and girl superhero things. But what's so special about working on these two is I've met so many people who come up to me and have their old comic books as a kid. And, and you can just see the light in their eyes, how special it was to them. They grew up with this. They read these cover to cover. And to see it come to life on television and movies, it's it's an incredible experience for them. It's different for me because I got to watch them on TV, but, you know, the, the older shows. But for them, it's it really resonates. And they're like, this is absolutely incredible. And it just it makes you feel good because you're delivering something to somebody who is thrilled about it. Yeah. And I'm, personally, for me, seeing, like, a female superheroine come on, like, seeing Jessica Jones or... You know, any of those elements of like these are women on 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 screen that are powerful that totally. are totally like you know, and they're not, uh, you know, they're they're not going to stop being who they are because right. there's some boys on screen with them too. I showed my daughter who's nine the one scene from Luke Cage. The first scene I showed her was Misty Knight walking into Harlem's Paradise. As Misty Knight in that outfit, that hair, and she owned it. She owned it. It was it was terrific. And my daughter was like, "Oh my gosh, she looks amazing!" And I'm like, "That's right, she's a superhero." It was great. It's great yeah. to see that on TV, especially for young girls, just to have someone they can relate to and be like, they can do anything, just like the male superheroes. Let's do it. Yeah, I definitely watched the show for her. She was like, <laughs> she's terrific. She's phenomenal. I mean, just like. The hair, the attitude, and the fact that she's a cop. Yes. And trying to be good. And that's so great. Oh, she's amazing. She was, it was such a great experience to work with her. And she really put her heart into it. And it just, and that last episode, she was off the charts. She was great throughout the whole season, but at the end, it yeah, just, it, it really, like again, it was, it was well written and she did a terrific job. And you really felt the situation she was in. And to see her come in as Misty at the end was like, what a perfect way to end. I know. <laughs> I was actually talking to Stephanie Maslinski about that, the costume designer. Yes. Um, and she was like, we just wanted to have a little tease. Like, it didn't That's need it. to be obvious. We yep. just wanted a little element of like... But it's amazing that little tease can have so much power behind it and such a reaction. The, yeah. The reaction to it was incredible. was amazing. Yeah. Well, the same with Luke Cage wearing his, like, <gasps> Did you crown. <laughs> Oh my Again, it's that one moment, and people really, really responded to that, too, which is so great. It was so great. It's such a nice throwback. Yes. But also, I'm happy that he's not wearing it the entire time. Oh, yes. No, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine, like, spandex on this, oh on the Netflix shows. So, I could, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Should have, like, Netflix, like, After Dark, or it's already After Dark, oh, daytime. So yes, Netflix, right. Netflix daytime. And it's like everyone in their like Jessica Jones in her like white outfit, like Misty with her crazy arm thing. Oh, I know. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So did you get a chance to go to New York Comic Con? 
Not this year. I didn't. I went a few years ago and I'm bummed I missed this year's, especially with everybody coming out for the very exciting Defenders. Um, but no, I do enjoy it because it's a lot of fun to see everybody dressed up and yeah. excited about it. There was just so many people in like, I mean, Luke Cage has been a character that people know, but like, it was like all these cosplayers had come out of this, like had stepped up and like brought their A game. And it was so amazing to see so many more than you would ever see before. That's no, great. It's yeah. Good. Yeah. To see it come to life. Well, so, um, do you start any feedback or I mean feedback? That's not what I meant to say. Do you have any suggestions for those who are interested in possibly wanting to be a line producer or work in film and TV? Yeah, you want to work in film and TV? You just, you got to get out there. You've got to, I always say, intern, intern, intern. Get your name out there. Get on a set. Be a PA. You've got to start somewhere. You got to start anywhere. Just get on a set and listen and observe. Again, there's a lot to learn just from looking around and seeing how everything works and see what you like. You know, there's so many different opportunities you can take steps in. You can be a grip, you can be a camera operator, lighting, art department, lots of different things. And you're not really going to know until you stand on there, until you stand on set and you look and you see what, what resonates for you. Maybe it's props, maybe it's makeup and hair. But then the more, you, the more you're there and you see it, then you, I think you have a better chance of kind of figuring out what department specific you want to go towards and move up from there. In terms of producing, I think a good place, to, you know, there's a lot of options you can go in the office, you can be in accounting, locations, assistant directors, and there's lots of ways to get into those different departments. But again, it all starts on set or in the office. You just have to get in the door and do it and see if you like it. Yeah, there we go. So you feel like the crazy long nights. I know, right? <laughs> but they're exciting. Well, and uh, where can uh, fans find you on? I know you have a Twitter, right? I have a Twitter. I'm on at Berengale, B-A-R-R-I-N-G-A-I-L. That's okay, great. Me. We'll make sure we link you. Well, thank you so much for well, joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Of course. We'll check you guys later. This cool is beans. Marvel, your universe. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, please email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at marvel with hashtag womanofmarvel. Tune in next week as we bring you our annual Woman of Marvel gift guide. We'll see you guys next week. This is Marvel, your universe. Yeah!